Welcome to Stories from the Heart. I'm your host, Sandra McDevitt. Today, the story of a deceased vicar general who was present at his own funeral, in his spirit, that is. He soon finds out why when he sees people he has come in contact with during his life. Is this a good or bad experience? Stay tuned to another Stories from the Heart for the answer. The Vicar General The Vicar General was dead. He lay upon a silk pillow, his hands clasped over a chalice upon his breast. He was clad in priestly vestments, and he looked, as he lay in his coffin before the great altar, with the candles burning on it, as if he were just ready to rise and begin a new Mass in heaven. The bells of the church, wherein the Vicar General lay asleep, had called his people all morning in a sad and solemn tolling. The people had come as sad and solemn as the bells. Priests from far and near had chanted the office of the dead. The requiem mass was over, and the venerable chief of the diocese, the bishop himself, stood in cope and mitre to give the last absolution. The bishop had loved the vicar general as a brother, for was it not the vicar general who had bidden his lordship welcome when he came from his distant parish to take up the cares of a diocese. The vicar general guided his steps safely and well. Now the bishop, gazing at the white, venerable face, remembered and wept. In the midst of the absolution, his voice broke. Priests bit their lips as their eyes filled with hot tears. But the sisters who taught in the parochial school and their little charges did not attempt to keep back their sobs, for others than the bishop loved the vicar general. There was one standing by the coffin whom neither the bishop, priest, nor people saw. It was the vicar general himself. He still wore his priestly vestments. Was he not a priest forever? He knew everyone present, but none of them knew that he was so near. He scanned the lines of the bishop's face and seemed to wonder at his tears. He was quite unmoved by the sorrow around him, did not seem to care at all. Yet, in life, the vicar general had cared much about the feelings of others toward him. His eyes wandered over the great congregation and rested on the children, but without tenderness in them. This, too, was very unlike the vicar general. Then the eyes came back and rested on the priestly form in the coffin, and the trouble of them increased. The absolution was over and the coffin was closed when the vicar general looked up again and knew that another unseen beside himself was present. The other was looking over the coffin at the vicar general, looking steadily with eyes that surged down deep. He wore a long robe of some texture the vicar general had never seen in life. It shimmered like silk, shone like gold and sparkled as if dusted with tiny diamonds. His face seemed to shine out of it like a jewel in the gold setting. The vicar general noticed what seemed like wings behind him, but they were not wings, only something which gave the impression of them. 
Gradually, he knew that he was gazing at an angel. The body was born out of the church. The angel moved to follow, and the vicar general knew that he also had to go. The day was perfect, for it was in the full glory of the summer. But the vicar general noticed little of either the day or the gathering. The angel did not speak, but his eyes said, Come. The vicar general was not sure that it was even a place to which the angel led him, but he felt with increasing trouble that he was to be the center of some momentous event. There were people arriving, most of whom the vicar general knew, men and women of his flock to whom he had ministered, and many of whom he had seen die. They all smiled at the vicar general as they passed. The silent angel stood very close to the vicar general. As the people came near, the priest felt his vestments grow light upon him, as if they were lifting him in the air. They shone very brightly, too, and took on a new beauty. The vicar general felt glad that he was wearing them. The silent angel looked at him, but spoke not a word. Yet the vicar general understood at once, knew that he was to answer at a stern trial, and that these were his witnesses, the souls of the people to whom he ministered, to whom he had broken the bread of life. How many there were! They gladdened the vicar general's heart. There were his converts, the children he had baptized, his penitents, the pure virgins whose vows he had consecrated to God, the youths whom his example had won to the altar. They were all there. On the other side, witnesses began to arrive, and the vicar general's look of trouble returned. He felt his priestly vestments become heavy. Especially did he feel the weight of the amice which was like a heavy iron helmet, crashing down over his shoulders. The cincture was biting him very tightly. He felt that he could scarcely move for it. The stole was pulling at him, and the weight of the chasuble made him very faint. He knew some of the witnesses, but only a few. He had seen these few before. They were his neglected spiritual children. He remembered each and every case, one was a missed sick call. His had been the fault. Another was a man driven from the church by harsh words spoken in anger. The vicar general remembered the day when he referred to this man in his sermon and saw him arise in his pew and leave. He did not return. Another was a priest, his own assistant. The vicar general had no patience with his weaknesses. From his disgust at them, his feelings had turned to rancor against the man, and the assistant was lost. The vicar general trembled, for these things he had passed by as either justified by reason of the severity necessary to his office, or as wiped out by his virtues, and he thought he had many virtues. The vicar general's eyes sought those of the silent angel, and he lost some of his fear, while the weight of his vestments came a little lighter. But the silent angel's gaze caused the vicar general again to look at the witnesses. Those against him were increasing. The faces of the newcomers he did not know. The vicar general felt like protesting that there must be some mistake, for the newcomers were red, brown, yellow, and black, besides white men whose faces were altogether strange. He was sure none of these had ever been in his parish. The newcomers were dressed in the garbs of every nation under the sun, 
they all alike looked very sternly at the vicar general so that he could not bear their glances. The silent angel stood still beside the vicar general, but the troubled soul of the priest could find no enlightenment in his eyes. All the wild witnesses kept arriving, and the multitude of them filled him with great terror. At last he saw a face among the strangers, which he thought familiar, and he began to understand. It was the face of a priest he had known, who had been in the same diocese somewhat under the vicar general's authority. He had always been in a parish so poor and small that the priest himself had, in his manner, his bearing, even his clothes, reflected humility and poverty. The vicar general remembered that the priest had once come to him as a matter of conscience to say that while he was not complaining, nevertheless he really needed his help and counsel. He said that his scattered flock was being lost for the want of things which could not be supplied out of its poverty. He told the vicar general what was needed. The vicar general remembered that he had agreed with him, but had informed him very gently that it was the policy of the diocese to let each parish maintain and support itself. The vicar general had felt justified in refusing his aid, especially since at that time he was collecting for a new organ. The vicar general now knew that his slight feeling of worry at the time was not groundless. His eyes sought all through the witnesses, but they found no likelihood of a testimony in his favor based on the purchase of that grand organ. The presence of the men of all colors and strange garbs was still a mystery to the vicar general, but last he saw among them a bent old priest with a long beard and a crucifix in his belt. At once the vicar general recognized him and his heart sank. Too well he remembered the poor missionary who had begged for assistance, money, a letter, a recommendation, anything, and had faced the inflexible official for half an hour during his pleading. The vicar general had felt at that time, as he felt when his poor diocesan brother had come to him, that there was so much to be done at home, absolutely nothing could be sent out. There was the orphanage which the bishop was building and they were just beginning to gather funds for a new cathedral. The bishop had acquiesced in the vicar general's ruling. The diocese had flourished and had grown strong. The vicar general had always been its pride. He was humbled now under the gaze of the silent angel, whose eyes told him wherein he had been at fault. He had shut out his heart for their sakes, the cry and affliction and the call of pleading voices from near and far, begging but for the crumbs which meant to them faith here and life hereafter. Now, O oh God, there were the red, the brown, the yellow, and the black, not to speak of the white men whose faces were so strange, and they were going to say something, something against him. He could guess what they would say. The vicar general knew that he had been wrong, that his wrong had come into eternity. But it was too late. His vestments were as heavy as lead. Trembling in every limb, the vicar general looked for his judge. But he could not see him. He only felt his presence. The silent angel had a book in his hand. The law by which they shall be judged. 
The silent angel opened the book, and the vicar general saw it had but one page. Thou art a priest forever, and under it go ye therefore and teach all nations. Sorrow is over the soul of the priest. Only the hope in the eyes of the silent angel gave him hope, and he bowed his head before the judgment. Thank you for joining us on Stories from the Heart. Today's story, The Vicar General, was written by Francis Kelly from the book, The City, The World, and Other Stories. For a copy of this or any of my stories, email Sandra at AveMariaRadio.net. Stories from the Heart is recorded in the studios of Ave Maria Radio. I'm Sandra McDevitt. May God bless the rest of your day. Missed a show? Not sure if it came from Ave Maria Radio? Go to AveMariaRadio.net. A list of shows and hosts are there. And if you find the show you're looking for, you can hear the whole thing again by going through the Ave Maria Radio audio archives. For years, we've recorded nearly every show from Ave Maria Radio. Just click on the audio archives message located at the center of our homepage. Now you even have more reasons to become a radioactive Catholic by going to AveMariaRadio.net.